This is Ray Fenix speaking, guitarist. I was with the Ian Gillen band, and as you probably all know, Deep Purple fans. And uh, I'm appearing on a podcast that talks about my career and my involvement with Ian and the other members of Deep Purple. And it's obviously going to be aired soon, so please listen. You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 163, Remembering Ray Fennec. And coming to you from the unseasonably warm suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the the windy city, which today is the suburbs of Providence, because the trees were bending in half when the wind was blowing. John, Windows Update, Matola. Yes, I'm 20 minutes late because my computer always hates me. But here I am. Yeah, and so you, gotta, you have to restart in the morning before you leave for work or something. Get the stupid updates out of the way. You know, I've tr- I've tried that, but it's like, it just seems to be like, you know what, I'm going to wait. I know that this isn't when I should be doing the updates. I think my computer is self-aware. Yeah, maybe Windows is like, <laughs> when should we, we're going to release the updates at like 5.30 p.m. on Mondays, <laughs> like half an hour before these guys record. And uh, uh, yeah. Maybe it's set for that. Maybe it's like the default and I have to go in and, you know, change that. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes there's, there's ones where you can just say, well, I'll update it later. And some of them like, no, you have, you must do it now. And then they shut your computer down, which is annoying. Mm. Um, well, but there, there you go. There you have it. John is, uh, you know, John has got a new setup there. He's been, he's been on every podcast and he's been all around the whole block of podcasts in the past week. Um, I'm only recording two podcasts this week. You're, you're, you recorded like three last week. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a podcast hoe. <laughs> John Podcast Ho Matola. I'm podcasting around. Whew. Oh man, this guy really gets around. Um, hey folks, if you want to help people discover our show, if you want to help support our show, if you receive value from our show and want to give a little value back, there's a number of ways you can do it. One is by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Two, buy some merch at our Etsy store. Three, become a patron on Patreon or PayPal for as little as $1 a month. You can help support our show. And then, of course, you can donate using Cash App at dollar sign D-P-P-O-D. That's D-P-Pod on Cash App. We're accepting. You will be the first one. and Probably no one's ever going to use it. Everyone's using everything else, which is fine. I just thought I was going to get cute and use a new service, and uh, that's fine. Um, it's probably way, uh, we're just way too old to have anybody using that service for the youngsters. Um, so, so speaking of support for our show, um, we want to take this chance at the beginning of the show to thank our executive level patrons coming in at the $25 uncommon man tier. We have Ovis Nakvi at the $15 a light in the black tier. We have Gerald Kelly at the 10 pound tier, Dr. Jill Brees at the turn it up to $11 tier, Clay Wambacher, Frank Tealgard Mortensen, Alan ain't too proud to beg and Mikkel Steen. And at the $10, someone came to here, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Gerald Kelly. Oops, sorry, we mentioned him already in a different tier. 
Victor Campos, Better Call Saul Evans, and Kev Roberts and his wonderful children, Matthew, Gareth, and Sarah. Thank you to the whole Roberts clan for their support. Um, hey, we don't have any new uh, patrons this week, but we do have this. hey That's right, folks. I think this might be a second or third time writing a review, but he's just he's got a he's got a craving for the uh, flexitone, and that is of course Jasor. Thank you for writing uh, a review. Like I said, we said before the the stream got started here. We are live streaming this episode, so we got a, a few folks on the stream. Uh, we were talking about it beforehand, and uh, you know I think he's gaming the system a little bit to get some of that flexitone. But hey, there's no, nothing in the rule book so far that says you can't do that. So thank you for writing in. So Jasor says. Coming into us from Russia, five stars. The title is, I'll become a patron the second I get to own a credit card. Uh, review is, speaks for itself, really. It's a show you want to support and is definitely worth supporting. Every week you get something different, be it experiencing something new, which is how it's been for me most of the time, or reviewing a classic moment in DP extended family history. Also, every five-star review will be treated to Nate channeling his inner Mark Nossif, like you heard just now. So don't hesitate, fellow listeners. Thanks again, Jay. Well, thanks, Jasor. Appreciate it. Jasor is on the live stream for us, live stream. So uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for writing another five-star review. And that's how you get uh, treated to uh, to the Flexitone, folks. It's a great tutorial for all you folks out there who are looking to, to donate to the show. It's very, very important stuff. Okay, so... Um, one thing uh, we got to get to here is uh, we do have a special segment here. Uh, some, well, something that we, we have to discuss. Uh, something that's happened recently. If you're on the patron-only Discord, and that's worth noting, I guess, if you're a patron, you get access to our patrons-only Discord. You get access to our rating spreadsheets, uh, to name a few uh, uh, benefits that you get uh, for the show. Um, but right now, we uh, have to talk about something a little, uh, little interesting, and that is... Postcards from the edge of Connecticut. And this one is coming to us. It's not really a postcard. It's not a physical postcard. But we're announcing our first ever spinoff show from the Deep Purple podcast. It's a new podcast, brand new, as in like brand new, I think yesterday or the day before. Um, and it is from our patrons, Peter Gardo and Mark Roback. They started their own show, and it's called 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. And listen to the first episode. It is great. It's a lot of fun. And I guess they were inspired kind of by, by Peter's idea when he was on the show about uh, reviewing the charts. And they're just kind of going through the charts and talking it. Uh, two old friends talking. If, if you like this show because of two old friends talking, well, then <laughs> it's very similar uh, feeling over there. Two old friends, great chemistry, running through the charts, making a lot of uh, very lot of great information about the songs and just a lot of good banter. So you have to check it out. And, and what could be better than, you know, listening to the Gardo and the Roback discuss hits from the 70s? The, the Roback. Everybody will just be the the something. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, so check. what are we talking about today, the Baudry? The Baudry. Well, today we are talking <laughs> about um, we are talking about none other than the late, great Ray Fennec. So last week, actually a week ago today. We got the news that he had passed away. He actually passed away on um, April 30th. Um, and uh, one year to the day after he released this career retrospective three CD set, 60 plus songs, um, mm. came out 
April 30th, 2021. He passed away April 30th, 2022. Um, and yeah, we, I, I had been in correspondence with him and we had had him on the show as a, as a guest and we did an interview a while back and, uh, yeah, I gotta say like, you know, uh, Often celebrity sort of deaths don't phase me too much, but this one kind of felt, I mean, it felt obviously personal because, you know, like we've actually chatted with him. We had him, you know, he was on our show for a good amount of time. We chatted before and after the show um, and we've we've been in touch since, you know, if if he's had stuff coming out. And it just was really sad because it was one of those things like I always just figured, oh, yeah, well, we'll we'll keep in touch and he'll come on again someday and we'll do this and that. And sadly, that uh, wasn't wasn't. To pass so um really really sad news um um really glad he got to put together this really nice set you can you should definitely pick it up if you're if you like what you hear tonight or if you already are a fan um it's got great stuff from all over the place and give you a little taste of his many many you know from the, the 60s through the 2020s all the stuff that he's worked on it's it's just incredible so yeah it was kind of a bummer because it's somebody i who i really looked up to and 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 respected and uh, was an influence on me from for years and years and uh i know he's not a household name like uh you know like like he, he's it's not like a tom cruise level where it's going to hit you know the cover of usa today but it's it's something someone for, to us who's really important and really special and ended up being one hell of a guy when you meet him so yeah any uh any i don't know do you have any memories from our chat with them or just kind of over the years what are some of your favorites from from him Um, I mean, you know, I, it's, it's probably going to be, um, you know, sound terrible to say, but I mean, I don't have too many memories, uh, uh not because he wasn't, uh, you know, important to, you know, deep purple history. I don't think, uh, his, his work was good because it was, it's just, um, um, didn't, didn't have as much of an impact, um, on me as, as some other, you know, of the purple family, but still, um, you know, a loss because the work that we've heard from him has, you know, been great. I mean, he was great, um, you know, um, instrumental part of the Ian Gillen band. And um, I'm, in, I'm not as familiar with his solo stuff, you know, even though we um, um, we reviewed one of his albums, right? I think we played some one of his um, songs. I don't think we were. Well, we, we did stuff with Fancy. Um, and we did, right. uh, but his solo, didn't he have the, the solo album, like with the billboard? I can't remember the name of it. What? Oh, oh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, keep America beautiful, get a haircut. Right, right, right. We didn't, yeah, but we didn't review that one. Right. You were just like, no, I, but I think we may have like in the very early days played one of the tracks off of it. And I've got a track on that for, for this, uh, for this episode as yeah. well. Um, trying to cover just kind of as much as much ground as possible um so in the uh rich is still looking for takers in the chat uh to to join with him to do the deep purple podcast podcast where they review our episode every week so if you're interested in that fruitless endeavor <laughs> you can you can connect with rich in the chat today <laughs> and i get that going but um yeah right i i think like growing up my main kind of I mean, he was my main influence from him would have been Wizards Convention and Butterfly Ball, obviously, and then also the mm -hmm. Ian Gillen band stuff. But the, but then one of the things that I really I've got a bunch of them back there, a bunch of the uh, CDs of the Spencer Davis group 
albums, which I really, really liked. And I don't remember. I think I, I think I really got them because of it, Eddie Harden, but Eddie Harden and Ray Fennick are both in that band. And I uh, I really, really dug them. And there's some of them that I listen to a lot. So we can start it off with um, uh, one of his oldest uh, tracks and this is this is so I'm trying to kind of pick some some highlights from some of the stuff that's a important in his catalog that would resonate with a lot of folks that are fans but then also a, some a few deeper cuts um, and things that he was famous for and one of the the songs that he was really um, that really uh, put him into the uh, to the to the minds of a lot of people um was this track uh which is crawdaddy simone so i think you might remember i think he i'm, I'm pretty sure he talked about that when we uh, had him on the show but um here we go let's my sharing doesn't seem to want to work oh here we go maybe this will work um yeah there we go so here it is uh this is crawdaddy simone this is from him with the syndicates Trade. So very, um, of lies. the very, uh, very of its time. He seemed to hypnotize. He always walks alone. Daddy no so this band was formed in this in the early 60s, like 63. Sounds like it. That uh, that like slap back on that on that on that hit in the beginning sounded like it was like I was getting a bleed in from the. <laughs> it was slapping back so much I thought I had something routed wrong here. So according to this it was 1965. This was Joe Meek, who would who would have produced like Richie's early stuff with the Outlaws. When he was See, doing and a I think the thing with uh, the scaffolding. <laughs> I think the thing with Ray is is that I was definitely into his his music and his playing like as part of the Deep Purple history, but he's one of those um, musicians that you know he's probably on a ton of stuff that I don't know. Yeah, exactly. That he was on it. Um, like if you ask me today to list who was on every you know all the tracks on like the. The Wizards Convention, I'm not going to know, but, you know, or Butterfly Ball or Ian Gillen band. Like, I'm not going to know any of that stuff offhand. That's what they got Wikipedia for. Yeah. This is like, you could tell this was recorded, like, really, it's really distorting when they got really loud. Yeah, for a minute, I was just like, I I thought maybe there was something wrong with my headphones. (laughs) That was going to blow. I have it like at the super low volume and it was like blowing my eardrums out. (laughs) Rich is thanking us in the chat for preemptively plugging his Deep Purple Podcast podcast. Very creative idea. (laughs) Well, if you want to know what it's like to have, wouldn't it be great if he had more uh, listeners than we do? He's like, he's like, guys, what are your numbers? And we tell him, he's like, oh, it's like, that's like 25% what I'm doing with me and uh, somebody else from the chat here.
<laughs> Sounds like me when I play slide. <laughs> yeah. Sounds a little out of control. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that 60s stuff is just a, like, it's out there, man. Yeah, exactly. That was and that was like that Joe Meek style of just like crazy. Um, so Michael in the chat's suggesting that we're pronouncing Ray's name wrong now. I don't know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm hoping not. But we've tried to we've tried to narrow it down. Um, yeah, Jonathan's right. It did sound like a his slide work sounded like the flexitone. <laughs> it did sound a lot like that. Um, but yeah, um, great. Uh, Great little uh, early number by Ray. Um, the next one I've got here is uh, from his album that John was just referencing. Um, so this one is called, uh, where is it? This one is the first track off of his uh, Keep America Beautiful Get a Haircut album. And this one is called Stateside. So this is a cool album. Wow, no, if that song was ultra 60s, this is ultra 70s. Yeah, and this was just in, I think it came out in 71, if I'm not mistaken. Great. I just always loved the groove on this album. Mmm, very nice. This one came out in November of 71. I mean, it sounds like it came right out of the lifted right off the soundtrack of like a black black exploitation movie. <laughs> yep. It's like here comes Blackula. <laughs> <laughs> and this one's like interesting when you look at the actual album cover. It's one of those like, what do you call it? Like a Captain Beyond style, where this song is stateside, but it's got three parts. Part one is Mr. Straight, part two is The American Way, and part three is Jesus Song. So I guess we're in the first part here. They loved to do that back then. I think when we talked to him, he mentioned that this... Then it gets like all real trippy. You know, you can hear little bits of like what he did with Gillen too. You can tell that he was um, uh, uh, a main influence in the writing and that band. So he had mentioned when we talked to him that this was there was like a uh, a mural or something at the hotel that they were staying at. I, I will have to back listen back to the interview where they had something like that said, like, keep America beautiful, get a haircut. And that's where he got the idea for, for the album. Mm -hmm. But you've got all these long haired, shaggy, like Vietnam era soldiers running past the billboard and the billboards, a giant picture of Ray Fenix sitting there cross legged on the billboard. Now you hear like a, uh, a horn section playing the, the national anthem in the back. Well, our national anthem. Michael in chat saying this is similar to a Cut the Cake by Average White Band. 
You used to have an average white band album, didn't you? Um, yeah. Yeah, the one where the... The W is the lady's ass The one ass where the something. W was the woman's ass. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Pops had that one. Oh, maybe that's where he got it from. Yeah, that was one of his, yeah. I think I want to buy him the CD eventually. <laughs> he just casually said, "Sung, kill the hippies. <laughs> Was he vocalist too? Or was it somebody else? Um, this lists guitar, guitars and vocals by Ray Fennec. It says bass is D. Murray, drums, Nigel Olson, steel guitar, BJ Cole, Peter York on percussion, Eddie Harden on organ. So this is a pretty good. Uh, so it's it's in in parts it's uh, the Spencer Davis group minus Spencer Davis. <laughs> That's some fat bass. Yeah, it's so good. This sounds like Funk Funk uh, Forty Nine, where they have like all their uh, their keys and stuff, and their change in their pockets, and they're shaking it all. Some fat percussion too. This whole track is fat. With a P H or with an F? P-H-A-T. Okay. Song really takes you on a cool journey. That's why I I, I, I I just really like this album. You know, it's like it's an eight minute opening cut on an album, but it goes it goes all over the place. And if if they didn't say what the, the parts were, you could just list this as three different songs, two just blending into mm-hmm. each other. So, um, Nigel Olsen, he played drums for Elton John. He played drums for uh, Uriah Heep briefly. Very George Harrison sounding right there. <laughs> Can't get enough of that. Wow. That's some wild bass. We've we've re- reviewed so many albums now where you where we listen to stuff and we're just like, "Ah, it's just not gel. It doesn't sound like there's chemistry and it's not gelling." And like this is like so the opposite of that. These guys, even though this is the best I can tell <laughs> so it's just constant making fun of Americans which I'm totally totally <laughs> down for totally deserved <laughs> um, but yeah this this sounds like a group of people that's really comfortable playing together and it's probably because <laughs> you know a lot of these guys did play together in Spencer Davis group well because there are definitely no slouches here nope not if you listen As to was pointed out in the chat. Jasura in the chat has pointed that out. (laughs) 
<laughs> just kicks right into it. But here we are almost seven minutes in, and so far no real, like, crazy guitar solos. to hear Ian Gillen sing over this. Oh, um, yeah. I wonder, imagine what he'd come up with. Although these vocals are really good. I really like Ray as a singer. We'll hear him on a few other tracks today, obviously, but... He has, like, that ultimate, like, 70s singer voice. Yeah. It works See, really well. See, that sounds well. like a Gillen part. Just, just ended it on that dissonant note. Yeah, if you threw in some flexitone and some like rototoms, <laughs> that would be an Ian Gillen band. It could could pass for an Ian Gillen band. And like a like like one of Colin Towns' kooky little patches, like <laughs> do, 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 like some like one of his little <laughs> cool patches he uses would be so great. Well, I'd say that one was um that was pretty long, but I agree that you said it's quite a journey. It's uh it's definitely interesting. Yeah, that would have been nine nine yeah. Captain Beyond songs in that amount of time, but um, they, they but it was you know split up into those three parts. It was really cool. Um, all right, so next one I got up here. Let's see here. So this is an interesting one. So this is something that I'd heard, but I didn't make this connection because um, if you grew up in the UK, this is probably something that you grew up. Uh, listening to and, and when when we posted something about this there was a lot of folks that were you know i'd say maybe 10 years older than us 10 15 years older than us that remember this song from the show magpie which is like a, a a british um a british show like a british kids show um that was that was on basically in the late 60s so yeah it would be people that were like 10 uh 10, 15 years, maybe even 20 years older older than us, depending on how, how late into your childhood you watch the show. Um, but, you know, this is a little half-hour uh, kids' show. So as with all good um, uh, good shows on the BBC, I grew up watching a different show that had this beginning, and that was Danger Mouse. Um, but it, it starts off with uh, this. <laughs> I've seen about a million times. And then that goes right into the, the magpie opening. Oops, is that the right one? No, it would have been this one. This is the uh, actual. Turns into this very like 
a day in the life sort of sound towards the towards that little end section. That's I mean, that's a pretty badass theme song for a show. Um, and then uh, if you grew up listening, watching the show, you're probably super like you hear that and it probably conjures up these amazing uh, nostalgic memories. Uh, but there's even more of a song to it. So it's, it's actually a whole song by the Murgatroyd band, which is actually just Spencer Davis group with a different name. But do you remember like growing up when all kids shows had badass music like this? Yep. Like, like the the 70s Sesame Street music was incredible. Electric Company. Schoolhouse Rock. Those are the songs that are the shows that we kind of grew up on that had similar awesome music. So I don't know how it came about that they just were offered this gig to write this, but Ray wrote it with... Uh, I don't know if he wrote it solo or if he wrote it with the other. I think he wrote it with Eddie Harden. So this kind of reminds me like what it might be like, you know, when you have you ever heard like the full song for like Family Ties or Golden Girls or something, you hear the full like there's an actual song that's like three minutes long. It's like weird hearing the yeah. rest of it. <laughs> Sounds like something would be in Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, for sure. It's just like a old nursery rhyme that they turned into. But like this. these are all the, like these could be all the people in the temple singing and like you know. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I don't know who's. It's like you know, Pilate is singing to him or something, or one of the priests. I totally would feel it fit in there. It's got that vibe to it. I mean, not surprising. It was probably around the same time. Yeah, I think time this was, frame, right? I think. Well, I think this was written and recorded in '68. Mm, I mean, the, close enough. But the show went until 1980. Wow. So, even folks our age would have probably grown up with it, but it, it did not make it to the U.S. Sadly. Nice. There you go. A little magpie for you. Here's a magpie for you. <laughs> um, so <laughs> speaking of Spencer Davis, so like I said, I got all those Spencer Davis group albums behind me. Um, and one of my favorite Spencer Davis group albums, or probably my favorite one is is the the, the album Glugo. And uh, here's just an awesome song that actually reminds me of a song that you uh, a song that you wrote. And I, I would like to hear your take on it when we get to it to see if um, to see if, if, if you know which song I'm talking about. But let me switch monitors here and get this song up for you. Here's another Ray Fennec song for you. And this one is <laughs> called The Screw. Nice heavy, heavy track.
Well, if you're comparing this to something that I wrote, I am uh, I am very humbled. <laughs> I wrote anything this good in my life. I've been playing ever since Ray passed away. I've been playing this album around the house, and so now my kids have been <laughs> running around singing this one. <laughs> well, they just don't sing it. Oh, it's great. Cool. Just, just, just the yeah, just the ones you want them to go out and repeat in the uh, outside world. I just this song always really stuck out to me on this album. The the opening track in this one are probably my two favorites. It's just badass. I just like songs where they're just. We got the like got a, an attitude about them. And I love that. I don't know if it's Spencer Davis singing, and it's like Eddie Harden just like. Yells a little thing in the background. It's people that jive me. It's great singing a song complaining about people jiving you. <laughs> people don't have that problem today. Yeah, nobody gets jived Getting anymore. Jived. <laughs> I guess it's a good thing we've we've eliminated jiving. <laughs> Jonathan's saying that they did a lot of. Uh, 70s kids shows deep into the 90s over there and a character <laughs> a character was called the smoking Mr. Apple <laughs> that sounds so unhealthy is an apple <laughs> apples are healthy I, but a smoking does apple? a smoking apple keep the doctor away or just a regular apple yeah, just sort of saying it's a punk-like chorus on this one. That's what I like about it, even though I'm not a big punk fan. But it's it's got that attitude. So, the song I'm thinking about that you wrote is called Word Gets Around. And it actually sounds pretty similar to this, which is odd because I don't think you ever got this album. I got it after you had written this, written that song. I mean, I was inspired by songs from this era. So, who, who did I, was that? That was a song you wrote all about people my, from work. That, all the all the the shit people at your work were doing and saying, <laughs> like basically about yeah. all the drama at work. But and you were just basically telling I, them all to go screw off, and it was like kind of the same. <laughs> it was kind of the same. It's funny because it sounds very. It sounds like you you were inspired by the song, which I know you weren't. But it also has that same kind of attitude, which is like, which is like, um, my son's playing Fur Elise upstairs on the piano. So sorry about that. <laughs> and um, it has that same kind of attitude and that same kind of like just punk sort of uh, feel to it. So. But I mean, I, I'm like I remember it. But did I did I record that alone or with uh, with you or with you E-Rock recorded or? that with um, Neil and Iraq, and then oh, we okay, recorded okay. it together I, I, for my album. Like shortly after that, we did. Yeah. Did did we ever put? Did we ever put it on that, or was that yeah. just like it was on the album? Huh. 
What do you know? There were three. Oh, so- no one do you remember it. There were three of those. So two written by you and one written by E Rock from that the Hamdingers era that ended up on on my album. Oh wow! We recorded them all like with you that. and E Rock on guitars and me on drums. And then, although I think that one might have been Dave on drums, but we recorded two with me on drums and you guys on guitars. And then I went back and did like the bass and the overdubs after. And then, but we recorded, remember we recorded it simultaneously into your four track and into my eight tracks. So we had the same rhythm tracks so that you guys could do with it what you wanted. And I did with it what I wanted. Oh, and then right. we, yeah, and then we, yeah. and then I, I did like, I think I did bass on both versions, but then you guys did vocals on one. I did vocals on the other. So it was kind of like a. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now I remember. Wow. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's interesting, though, how, um, like you said, I mean, I've never, I didn't own this album or hear this song, but it's interesting how um, just him being in, um, you know, bands that I liked. I mean, obviously I'd heard uh, Ian Gillen band and just other music from that era, like this style of music and how it just kind of seeps into your subconscious. Oh, totally, yeah. That's that's really interesting. But yeah, now that you tell the whole story about that, I forgot that you had taken one of the songs that I wrote and we like divvied it up and you used it and Yeah, we both did it like we both took the same backing tracks and did it. So it's kinda cool. Um Fielding Follower in the chat says uh it has an identical melody uh uh invite identical melody title Willie by Sweet. Is it little little Willie? Little oh maybe little Willie. It says Tittle Willie. Should have known from Fielding. <laughs> Tittle Willie. <laughs> Tittle Willie's always preoccupied. Always trying to get us to say tit wherever he can. <laughs> or like sugar tits? Yes, Rich Rich has mentioned the pin the pinball counting segment from Sesame Street is legendary. So yeah, if you if you didn't grow up with Sesame, yeah, we had the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It kind of reminds me of that. It's just mm. like c- counting, and but but the most badass possible way. There we go, Little Willie. See, you Little Willie. There you go, Little Willie. I have to check that one out later. So maybe it's just a common. It's a common motif that you picked up on, I guess. Um, but all right. So the next uh, one I wanted to kind of is this is something we'd be revisiting as we did a full episode on this already. Um, and if you recognize these wonderful singing ladies, these are the uh, German opera singers from John Lord's Windows. And of course, Ray Fennick was the guitar player on Windows, along with Coverdale and York and Hughes and all those guys. Uh, so here, here's a, a couple of segments from this that I think really highlight Ray's playing during this uh, during this performance. I love that guy. That guy's a Bernard Schroeder's hair. Tony Ashton, John Lord side by side. Ray even mentioned his yellow suit when he was on the show. There he is right beside Hughes. Tony Ashton with his golfing hat on. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they had great style back then. <laughs> Tony Ashton's like fighting with his organ. This was a really fun episode. <laughs> Tony Ashton is hamming it up to a level I don't think I've ever seen before. <laughs> Thank you. 
really tasty blues playing. Okay, so then it goes into a drum thing, but then there's this other segment here that I think is definitely worth, um, it's gonna go into a big extended John Lord solo, but here, here's another really cool segment from uh, Ray. <laughs> the ladies go crazy, then Ray always follows them. <laughs> yeah, this is cool. to Jonathan, the Swedish vampire is going to sleep. That's early. It's early for him, yeah. What is it? It's only like three in the morning. <laughs> but yeah, what the hell? Well, you kept him up late the other night, so. Uh, not just me. You and other uh, podcasting hooligans <laughs> from other shows. <laughs> Good night, guys. Now that's whistle voice right there. <laughs> a truly bizarre musical experience, but one of a kind. It'd be funny if Hughes started whooping it up in the background. <laughs> you see, it's like <laughs> some of the high-pitched noise, like the dogs start <laughs> joining in. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> I mean, where else would you hear that kind of singing with funk guitar? You wonder if Glenn Hughes is just like, I am fucking freaking out right now. What is going on? <laughs> Coverdale sitting right behind Ray there. Where is he? Oh, <laughs> I see him. <laughs> and then you got the, the German poet come in after that. But kind of a, a very cool, uh, cool experience. And then um, when Ray passed away, actually, Simon uh, over at um, Darker Than Blue, um, uh, posted actually on our uh, on our uh, interview with Ray, uh, you know, he posted a, a link to that, which was really cool. And then um, he posted this this picture, which he said was taken backstage at Windows with with Ray and Richie. So I guess Richie was in the audience. Um, that looks like I can't tell. Is it, if it, maybe it's just I don't know. They must be in a bathroom. Oh, it's like a dressing room, I guess, because there's like a sink behind them. <laughs> um, but um, he's not wearing that yellow suit. He's wearing a white suit. So I don't know if he had a costume change or if uh, yeah. 
or if maybe it's like colorized and they just got the colors wrong and it's hard to tell but he said this was from backstage at windows um it definitely the lapel width is 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 right on the money so i just don't know if maybe it's a different suit <laughs> of course it was the 70s that was probably standard issue lapel width at that point but yeah i mean if you if you walked into a room and your lapels weren't at least like you know, half a foot long, get out. <laughs> They'd measure you get at the door. Out. They'd be like, nope, sorry, buddy. Get out of here. No, here we have a loner. We have a loner coat with uh, huge ass lapels. <laughs> you can't come in here with that, buddy. Here, take this. You can't come in here looking like a normal human being. <laughs> you know, one of, one of my favorite things, was, I don't know if you remember, E-Rock talked about uh, threatening somebody once and he was just like, yeah, I'm going to grab them by the lapels and then like yell at scream in their face or something like that. And then just the, the visual of somebody grabbing somebody else by the lapels and shaking them <laughs> always made me laugh. It's like, a classic move. You thre- <laughs> You're just like, you son of a man. <laughs> um, Boy, and lapels back then would be very easy to grab. So. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Steven in the chat says uh, that picture is so rare and I, I I had never seen it before for sure I don't know what it's from or who had it but Simon obviously had it lying around somewhere and posted it so I was really happy to yeah. see that and just, just seeing the two of them together I, you know, I knew they obviously be aware of one another but I, I, I don't know of anything they ever played on together so that was kind of a yeah, cool it only started making the rounds this week right that picture or like the end of last I, week according to me I mean I'm sure there's people out there who have seen it but it's pretty rare it's it's always funny to me when people are like look at this super rare picture of the Beatles I'm like first of all I don't think there's a such thing as a rare picture of the <laughs> Beatles but you know but but then it's like you're posting it on Twitter so it's like now it is infinitely copyable so it's by definition not rare however mm-hmm. every so often a picture you know you see a lot of the same especially in these groups like oh look at this guy and it's like yeah we've seen it a million times it's like oh wow a picture of Mark II never seen that before um, but this one truly is like I've, I've never seen it before so it, it might have just that might be the oh. first time it was ever digitized digitized and put online for all I know um, so next up we have uh, before we get to our patron break here um, song that I, I mean I would be remiss if we didn't uh, play anything from from this so of course we, we've we've got to we've got to get this one in there and that is of course um, the song fly away from the butterfly ball and I wanted to play this one because I think it really highlights Ray's guitar that that really that kind of like watery sounding uh, reverb on the guitar it sounds it's just a mm-hmm. really cool cool sound on this it sounds almost I don't know if he's using any slide in there, but it's just very bendy and sliding into notes nicely. (laughs) Gotta get out the salty licorice. Of course.
So not not the song on uh, Butterfly Ball that always stuck out the most to me, but I also know Ray Ray picked it for his retrospective there, so I know it must have meant something very special to him. <laughs> it, no, this isn't this isn't Yvonne Elliman. No, it's uh, it? Liza Strike. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I, Yvonne Elliman's not on this. No, right? No. Okay, no. I didn't, it does sound a lot like her, though. Like yeah, her yeah, same I, style. Definitely. Of, I, I think it would be. Uh, yeah, it's too, too bad she wasn't involved in this. Um, yeah, Liza Strike, who's a who's one of those backing singers who was on a million different things. So, mm. all right, Fielding is out for dinner, but he's gonna catch the rest when it comes out, and he's learned that he needs to buy more. Phoenix stuff, and I agree. And why not start with this? I'm like doing a commercial. Three CD retrospective. I thought playing through the changes too. It's pretty good. Pretty good name. Pretty good name for a for a compilation album there. Um. All right. So before we move on to some more Ray Fenwick goodness, um, we have to, of course, take this time to thank. Our core level patrons coming in at the $7.77 Keep It Warm Rat tier. We have Michael Vader at the episode $6.66 tier. We have Steve Coldwell, Arthur Smith, Anton Glaving, Mike Catan, and Richard Fusey at the $6.65 Almost Evil tier. We have Kenny Wymore at the $5.99 Nice Price tier. Fielding Fowler, who just left the chat. Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, Michael Bagford, and Carl Helberg. Coming in at the $5 Moneylender tier, we have John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Elman, Alexi the Perfect Stranger Slepikoff, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Will Porter, Zwopper the Electric Alchemist, Tim Southerncross Johnson, and Michael Boyette. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. Whew, one of these days we're going to have to, um, we're going to have to limit how many, there's going to have to be like a dollar threshold or something before you can get a shout out on the show because we always started out shouting out everybody but what what if we have like 500 patrons um uh, at that point too bad (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna have to read it in the show notes unless uh you know you take a deep breath or we divide it up between the two of us or something We, we have a lot of patrons a lot of great people that support the show really really appreciate it um all right so uh the next track up uh we we did of course uh, butterfly ball and of course we're gonna have to do something uh from wizards convention as well this is a writing collaboration between ray fennick and david coverdale one of your favorites money to burn mm. and just thinking about we talk about it a million times but the difference in style and production recording songwriting and everything from between Five years prior to this, and when this came out, it's just, it's night and day. I love this song. I mean, how do you not love that Mo Foster bass line? <laughs> Rich said, My Remember best. when I first heard this, and I was, <laughs> my best rare picture. <laughs> I remember when I first heard this, it was just like discovering like that lost, like, you know, Coverdale song. Mm-hmm. Even even better when it was just like when I realized, oh, this is good. I mean, 
coming on to all this stuff 25, 30 years ago and feeling like, oh my God, I found a new thing. And it's like, we're still doing it. Like there's still stuff that comes out where you're just like, oh my God, another thing from that so-and-so did back in the day that we never heard, you know? Like even recently I talked, I had, I had three of the four Ray Fennick, uh, Eddie Harden, Spencer Davis group albums. A few years ago, there was like an unreleased album. They did an album that they never released and then it got released. It's like, wow. So I have like a, a, a fourth one now. It's like crazy. This stuff just keeps popping up out there. I, I feel like it's easy to focus on the bass and on Coverdale, but listening to what Ray's doing is really interesting in the song. Just sore. Yes, you're. Um, that's actually behind the smile. He's referencing behind the smile from Butterfly Ball. Mm, that's another. The good Coverdale one. song from Butterfly Ball, which is also really good. When they have the weird woman spinning and changing masks and stuff, it's very bizarre. Oh, he just asked if that was behind the smile. Yep. <laughs> But same sort of funky vibe Coverdale song. I love the Coverdale. Yeah, I love funky uh, Coverdale. The, the, the ad-libbing stuff at the end of this. Oh, sugar and spice. Uh, give me something nice. <laughs> Husey has a similar sort of outro in his songs on Wizards Convention where he's like to lose yeah and he's got that same sort of like reverb on his voice too like a flangey sort of effect on his voice <laughs> I love that on the outro I just do that on any song and I'll love it yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you can't go wrong. Oh, man, such good stuff. Just a, just a sampling of uh, so many amazing things that he's done, you know, and, and when he came out with this, it really opened my eyes to a lot of other stuff that I really wasn't familiar with um, at all. Mm -hmm. It's stuff I still haven't really dove too deep into, but this next track I have definitely had a deep dive into for many, many years as it's uh, something that we all know very well. And that is the title track from Clear Air Turbulence, which is also called Clear Air Turbulence. You can hear the spaceship approaching now. Oh, Duncan, you're not a lightweight for cashing out now I wouldn't be on the stream I'd be <laughs> if I was like midnight I'd be like, I would have been asleep I'd be like I'll catch the episode when it comes out
man. Yeah, so we covered this 120 episodes ago or something. <laughs> but this one never gets old for me. And that's such a great, I don't even know if you call it riff because it's not really repeating. But but the real highlight of this one for me and the reason I would want to include it is because of Ray's guitar solo, which is extremely long, and but, but very, very good. And I think we might have asked him about that too, didn't we, when he was on? And I think he was just kind of like, Ian Gillen was like, very much like, Whatever you guys want to do, just musically, just do. I don't care. He, like, gave them a ton of freedom. And that's why you got, like, a two-plus-minute guitar solo on the opening track of this album. Growly Gillen voice is always good too. That was that was a Captain Beyond style change too. Hmm. Good. Good. Uh. Good point. Good call. It's another one that could be multiple songs. Tinkling electric piano. I don't know if it's a Fender Rhodes or. Oh, Rich was saying to do a scroll across the bottom of the screen for the patrons. That sounds like too much post uh, production work for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus you can't you can't hear it. Well, you said it would work for you yeah, only for the video, but I. Um, oh yeah, of course. I have barely enough video chops to be able to put out the YouTube episode every week, so I would need some help. So the solo starts right here. Very jazzy. I always thought this was a great solo. Saul is saying this could be his best album, and I would definitely agree. Except with the could be, I, I think it's his best album. Oh, Raph, um, Raph says he couldn't figure out the words in the chorus. I mm-hmm. talked about it in our episode that when I used to listen to this album and while I was vacuuming a church, <laughs> I was used to sing Get Into Duluth, being meaning Duluth, Minnesota, in the United mm-hmm. States, knowing that I was wrong. And it's being like, well, that's stupid, but that's what I think he says, so I'm going to sing along. And for years, I sung along to it. And then when the internet came out, I Googled it and looked it up. Well, it was probably pre-Google. 
Or maybe it was more recent, I don't know. But I looked it up and the words are get into Duluth. So what do you know of that? Weird lyrics. It's like how the horn section just kind of sways in there a little bit toward oh, the end of the solo. Such a good use of horns on the song. It's a good use of everything. These are monster musicians. So good. So we're at the two minute mark in his solo right now. There you go, two minutes and 15 seconds. Woof, great. It's kind of bull, it, it doesn't necessarily sound like his style, but it's Bolin-esque in its approach. Hmm. Interesting. I love how they just go right back into this with like a renewed energy too. Probably because John Gustafson needed a break. This is, this is so <laughs> fast. I've never tried to even figure out how to play this. I should I should do that. <laughs> Michael Bagford says Ian works for the Minnesota Travel Advisory Board. Get into Duluth. <laughs> <laughs> brings in that cowbell here. It's such a fierce reprise of this section. <laughs> My best Striper album cover. <laughs> it does look like a Striper album cover. <laughs> to hell with the spaceship. <laughs> to hell with the clear air turbulence. <laughs> Speaking of Striper, I don't know if you if you follow anything they do, but not much. I guess that um, the um, not to get off on a tangent, but it just it's I think it's funny. This is uh, Michael Sweet is part of a kind of a super group now. Yeah, I saw and, that um, with um, uh, who is it? <laughs> like um, like uh, who is it? Um, I uh, shit. Um, what, what's his name? The um. Ah, oh, he's an um. I saw it the other day, and I can't. Snake. I can't think of who it was, and I. Like I, Mar I think it's Marco Mendoza. Yep. Like it's uh, 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 Tommy Aldridge. Who's the other guitar player? He looks like Doug Aldridge, but he's not. Um, ah, uh, 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 it's gonna be bothering me, but it doesn't. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that he's one Joel of the guitar Holstra. players. There we go, Joe yeah, Holster. Yeah. yeah, I knew it was somebody else. And so, purple related, tangent. Right, so it's. Two of them are like the guitar players. He's not a vocalist on this. And so mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you know, he's in a new video. So I figured I'd check it out because, you know, he's always this proponent of making new music. And, you know, yeah. he's, he's actually really good. So I'm watching the video and like they're, they're showing shots of him. Like, is he wearing like an eye patch? Like he's wearing like this Michael Sweet's wearing like a pirate eye patch. Really? And so I'm just like, what's up with this look? 
So I go to like his social media and I'm looking, I guess he like recently had like a, like a cataract or some kind of eye surgery and he needs to keep it covered up. So (laughs) basically he's wearing like an eye patch and um, I just like, I mean, why not? But I mean, at first, just like knowing, I don't know, you know what I mean? It was like, okay, Striper is all about the the yellow and black. And then just out of the blue, not knowing any backstory, he just shows up like, you know, (laughs) just wearing a friggin' eye patch. And I'm like, all right, what's, what is this now? (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, it was a medical procedure. And he's trying not to like, you know. Yeah, that makes blind. (laughs) But you could just just as easily believe that somebody's like, oh, this is my new look. I'm wearing an eye patch. But that's that's weird. He's like, I used to love Jesus, but now I love the pirates. (laughs) You can't love both. (laughs) It's like, I guess pirates. I worship worship Blackbeard. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Oh, man. So um, we could leave it at just one Gillen band song. But I thought uh, it would be interesting to this is a song we've heard on the show. And this is a this is a lower res version of that song. But it's Ian Gillen band doing a live uh, promo video. So it's it's the album version of the song Scarabus. Hmm. I thought it'd be good to see the whole band actually in live action here. And the audio quality is not great, but it's a promo from 1977. See Ray strutting around the stage in his vest. Johnny Gustafsson, Mark Nosif. Holland's there somewhere. Look at that stance Ray has. He ducked down real low. He was like a praying mantis. Gillen is like, it's easier to lip sync when your hair is covering your mouth. But it's great. They're really committing to it because like, it looks like they're really playing live. <laughs> Gillen's wearing a shirt that says Jamaica on it. <laughs> uh, what a card. He's always been the same. He's just like, well, if I got a cool t-shirt that has nothing to do with anything, I'm going to wear it. I don't care. Michael Bagford saying the intro of this reminds him of late 70s Genesis. There you go. I don't know if I've ever heard any. Any late 70s Genesis? Yeah. Yeah, I think I've only heard like the. um, I've heard like the Peter Gabriel stuff and then I've which I think he left in what, 74, 75 or something. Then I've heard the 80s stuff about ad nauseum on on Hmm. on the radio. But yeah, there's probably when Phil Collins took over in the band, like originally, I don't think I really um, am too familiar with that stuff. I'm not even that familiar with the other stuff. <laughs> there he goes. He, did he Boing. Did he hit the flexitone with like a drum? How did that how did he do that? I mean this guy has more things. I mean his kit is almost like Neil Pert level. 
everyone's chiming in to let, uh, but we're getting the chat late, so we're, here, we're seeing the answers to all the questions we had earlier about who was mm-hmm. in that Michael Sweet band. I wonder if he got that. Uh, I wonder if Bob Marley gave him that shirt because we know Bob Marley and Ian Gillan used to play pool when they were in the Ian Gillan band. So maybe he got it for him as a souvenir. See, that's the kind of things I would I would ask Ian Gillen if he came on the show. He'd come on and be like, oh, these bozos want to interview me. They're probably going to ask me what, like, how we wrote Smoke on the Water. I'd be like, first question. Did Bob, how, what was it like playing pool with Bob Marley? And did he give you that Jamaica shirt? <laughs> He'll be like, oh, I thought they were going to ask me boring questions, but they're asking me questions I have no idea what they're talking about. Or we could, like, alternate. You could ask <laughs> the really obscure questions, and I could just be like... So, um, he'd be like, how long did it take you to grow out your? How long did it take you to grow out your hair? <laughs> and he'll be like, "All right, this guy's an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> what was it like um, back in the early days sharing a pair of pants with uh, Roger Glover? <laughs> that, that would be a great question. I would like to ask that one too. <laughs> Ray is probably hoping they're not looking at him because he's not, he's not really uh, miming that. Like Ian's like, oh, that was pretty good. Ray always dressed really cool too. And that like kind of like proto seventies like afro thing going on. He's scraping his pick on the string. Look at those hairy arms. <laughs> Ian Ian was talking Ian Gillen mentions in his autobiography is he talks about Ray Fennick and how um how hairy he was. And he talks he tells a story which I think I think I had it on my list to ask him about in the interview, but I was just like, eh, it might be weird. But there's a story about he like pulled down his pants and sat in some guys like hors d'oeuvres, <laughs> and like the the guy in the rest and then like a hotel was being a dick to them, so he like went over and he pulled his pants down and sat in <laughs> on his hors d'oeuvres. And then he said that the guy, maybe we talked about this in the episode, the guy was smoking a cigar, so he put it out on Ray's ass, and he was like, he had to like go get ice for his, for his ass because I got burned by a cigar. <laughs> Oh, antics because I, I remember Ian saying oh, I wish I wish I had the, the the page marked but um he says something about um you know I could probably find it on, on Google Books he says something about like like Ray Fenwick is a unnaturally like uh hairy man I'm gonna look it up while we uh look at our next thing here um it'll take me a minute to find it all right. So next up, a few left here. This is one that this is one I think I had found pre us doing the show. I had stumbled upon it. It's not even on YouTube, but it was on Vimeo. And it's a um, so this song and and I had brought it up to Ray when we interviewed him because I said, hey, this song is awesome. Um, the song's mm-hmm. called Queen of the Night. And it's Ray. Uh, it's just billed as Ray Fennick by himself. Um and I found like, I found this video and it was so cool. And I remember, I think I sent it to you on like Instagram or whatever, however we were communicating and showed you, I was like, check this thing I just stumbled upon. And we thought it was pretty funny. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, th- this is he. And when I told him that, he was like, "Oh, we're doing it for the for my uh, box set." And he did release a nice remastered version of the box set. So this isn't going to sound quite as good, but you're going to get these great visuals of this video. And this is Ray Fennec, Queen of the Night. I like the uh, like the guys dancing up there on the balcony. <laughs> They're having a good time. Queen of the night down every back street where all the girls be. Queen of the night with a switchblade knife down every back street. Some some 70s disco chicks. I'll tell you, is um. The couple of solo tracks that you played already are just like just prove that he's got a uh, great great chops, like great songwriting skills, like can really lay down like a really catchy groove. That's one thing if you if you had to make a criticism about Ian Gillen band is that they didn't really you they had three lead singers in that band, you know, like Johnny Gustafsson was an incredible singer and so is Ray. <laughs> he looks yeah, at the I camera. Mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, you're you're Ian Gillen and the Ian Gillen band. Who the hell else are you going to let sing? No one. Well, of course. That's I mean, who. I'm not even talking about lead vocals, but you'd think that they would have done more with like backing vocals or something. Well, that's true. Maybe like uh, three part harmonies or let them take like um, let them take a verse like uh, Coverdale Hughes style. And well, they Could did that. There was that one Ian Gillen band song where he they he trades off with Johnny Gustafsson, but. <laughs> he's, he's getting molested by this chick over here while he's trying to perform. <laughs> like, I'm trying to do my solo queen of the night. Give me some some space here. She's like, come on, sugar daddy. <laughs> he looked annoyed. She just like poked him in the face. He's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like dancing in front of him like, pay attention to me. <laughs> when are you going to stop recording this video? Who's that dude? <laughs> Where's security? <laughs> Is maybe he just had that guy as a backing singer? I don't know. She's like punching at the camera. call that dance but gyrating look like she was like fencing at some point like she's pretending to use a sword undulating undulating (laughs) all right just got a couple tracks left um this next track so this is a band he was in called force field with cozy powell on drums graham bonnet on Mm. So it was kind of like a almost it, it, parts of Rainbow. Don Airy played with them sometimes. So yeah, you had like three fifths of of um, Rainbow in this band at any point. Um, I don't think Don Airy's on this track though. Um, and this is the band Force Field. I think, like I just said, and uh, the track is called. I can find it here. 
Maybe I have it. Oh, it's probably over here. Uh, this track is called. This is this is again off off of his uh, compilation here. It's called Hit and Run. So this is their album. This is '89, I think. Very '80s. This is their third album, Force Field 3, to Oz and Back. I'm late on the uh, chat, but Matthew Willette uh, said the intro to Scarabus reminded him of Rush's Fly by Night. I totally hear that. Mm. And Rich is asking why they burnt the islands down. <laughs> <laughs> the island of Jamaica, maybe. Graham Bonnet with that powerful, those powerful vocals there. Yeah, good, good Graham Bonnet vocals. I mean, you know that I don't really mind the the '80s sound, but I don't, I don't know if I'm really digging this. I feel like it's a little too slick. Yeah, I mean, it's of its time. I think all the Force Field stuff that I've heard, I mean, pretty limited, but it's very, very '80s. There's no question about listening to it. What decade it was produced in? You know, Michael Backford's. Well, I mean, if you said like Cozy Powell, Graham Bonnet are on this, it'd be like, why? Like this, this could be a drum machine for all I know. Yeah. Michael Backford saying, of course, it sounds like a montage in an 80s sports film. The classic montage sequence. Mm hmm. Some of the force field stuff I sound, there's a couple of instrumentals that really kind of showcase Ray's playing even a little bit more. Very, very slick, though. Almost, I mean, not saying this to be funnier or anything, but it sounds like smooth jazz, really. Mm -hmm. And Ray did do some stuff like that with that sort of production with those kinds of solos. Yep, that's right, Saul. That is Bonnet playing or singing. Haunting vocal only outro or ending. Mm. Well, I think we should do something a little different to end this. What I'd like to do is thank the um, thank the uh, foundation level patrons 
first of all. Um, give them a good thank you. And then close it with this one thing that I think would really kind of showcase uh, Ray, especially in a Deep Purple perspective. And that is um, this uh, this beginning guitar solo that he has in uh, Eddie Harden's Wind of the Willows live. Uh, but before we do that, thank our foundation level patrons coming in at the $3.33 halfway to Evil Tear. We've got Raf Calf, who just left for dinner. At the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, we have Ian DeRosier. Wait, did I say Peter Gardo? Peter Gardo! Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback. Duncan Leesk, Stuart McCord, Flight of the Rat Bat Blue Light, Ivan Fieldboo. Runar Siemensen. And then, of course, JJ Stenard. Coming in at the $1 made up name tier, we have the dearly departed Leaky Mausoleum. Steven Somerville of Concerto 1999 Phonetic, Spike the Rock Cat, Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, Spike's Mom, and Blackmore's Tights. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. And we will close it out with this performance. She said, this is Eddie Hardin's Wind in the Willows. Uh, so it's kind of a, it's a children's story tale. Um, done on stage, <clears throat> it's a live performance by all of these great, many, many great musicians. And it has a few, like, it's, it's similar to the Butterfly Ball in that you've got a guy reading from the actual book, then they do these musical segments and they go back, so some of it's a little weird, some of it's a little hokey, but John Lord and Don Airy were on stage with Ray during this with a number, a bunch of other, Graham Bonnet was there as well, Tony Ashton, uh, 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 Eddie Harden, obviously. Um, but yeah, so let's let's watch the beginning part of this, like the first uh, few minutes where he really opens it up. And I, when I saw this a few years ago, I thought it was just really cool. Uh, it really seemed like a really, it really featured Ray early on. And I think it'd be a good thing to close on because of the the nature of the music and the the folks that are involved. So here we go. Let's close it out with... The beginning, the opening to Wind in the Willows. So, the opening here is a full moon, some clouds in the sky. shrubbery on the stage. And there's Ray.
Oof, look at that windswept do. John, John Lord's John got Lord going just got a blowout. <laughs> it's special for this show. Some serious firepower with John Lord and Don Airy backing up Eddie Harden, who's already a monster organ player in his own right. I think that's Zach Starkey on drums. And Pete York as well. Oh, good night, Stephen. with that stash he looks like any of the uh, 50 to 60 somethings around in Chicago area here there's Johnny I love when he went for that uh, that Jesse Ventura and the Predator look. <laughs> he does look like Jesse Ventura. And John the Body Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Governor of the Hammond. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, with that, folks, I'll bid you do remembering Ray and uh, go go listen to some great Ray Fennick music this week and uh, celebrate this amazing career and this amazing guitar player like we just did. Amen. All right. See you next week, buddy. All right. Later. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening.
All right, you guys take care and be safe. Huh? All right, you too. Thank you. Okay, take care, buddy. Bye. You Bye. too. Bye-bye. Bye.